Welcome to the GS Nation podcast. Our focus is personal development, health, wellness, mindset, and entrepreneurship. Show notes may be found at gsnation.com slash podcast, as well as on our YouTube channel and in the details section of your podcast app. Thanks for listening. We're your hosts, Carrie and Dave. Let's rock and roll. What is up, GS Nation? Today on the podcast, we have got Sam Anderson. Sam is a serial entrepreneur with multiple businesses in Richmond, Virginia, and he's expanding to other cities as well. The founder and president of Enzo Media Firm, Sam is a master networker, a self-proclaimed born entrepreneur, sneakerhead, and just a super interesting guy all around. He's got big goals to make Enzo Media Firm a household name, and I have zero doubt in my mind that he's going to accomplish that goal solely based on his hustle. You're going to want to listen to this one because this is how legacies are made. It's the realness. It's the realness, man. It is. It's real life. Uh, what's going on, GS Nation? Carrie and Dave here. We are with Sam Anderson of Enzo Media Firm. So you just heard all about Sam in our intro. Um, today, we are going to talk all things mindset. We're going to talk personal development. We're going to talk entrepreneurship. And then I've got a couple health and wellness questions for Sam as well. Um, but Sam, thanks for coming on, buddy. Really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. I'm here with the Bonnie and Clyde of health, nutrition, entrepreneurship. I love it. That yes. one, that one was free. I'm not going to charge you guys yes. for that. That was some free branding. Branding right on point. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, appreciate that, man. Uh, you and I have known one another for a while. We met originally through Synapse and we've yep. talked about Synapse on this podcast once or twice before as well. Uh, but I know that your story, story starts... Uh, a little bit before that, you know, you left the corporate world, you were kind of towing that corporate world and entrepreneurial world. You just sold one of the businesses that you originally founded. And so kind of give me your story, man. Walk me through how you got to where you are today and what you're doing. Yeah, briefly. um, So I went to school at Longwood University, um, majored in business. Back then, like when you majored in business, like they didn't teach anything about entrepreneurship. It was you know, teaching how to work for somebody else. So I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't take the steps until a decade later. Um, But at the junior level, like, you know, I just came to the realization that they're not teaching me what I need to know. And, you know, I rolled out, Um, kind of fell into the mental health field. I just had the thought process of, you know, while I'm working for somebody else, I want to do something that's going to contribute to the life of somebody else versus me just getting a paycheck every day. Um, So I kind of fell in that field, worked my way up. Uh, That's really a field where, you know, even as a janitor, if you don't have a master's degree, they generally won't hire you in the mental health field. Right. Um, so I always just had the mindset of, you know, you may look better than me, you may have more money than me, but you will not outwork me. Um, and that kind of led me through that career for a decade that I wasn't even technically allowed to be in. Um, and then my last uh, place of employment was probably about five years ago. And, you know, I just saw things getting to a point where I was getting stuffed into a corner again, like, I really didn't feel like dusting off my resume, and I said, you know what, if not now, then when, or if not now, I'll never do it. Um, so what What finally made you, like, was there an act, or was there a thing, was there a moment, was there a time that you were like, fuck it, I'm doing it? It really wasn't like that one thing, like, it was a culmination of things, like, um, you know, most of the time when people start a job, they like get super excited about it, they're all hyped up, like, this is going to be the best job ever, and then, you know, six to 12 months into it, you're like, uh, I can't stand going to this place. Um, so it was the culmination of, you know, seeing 
I was getting pushed back into a corner. Um, you know, I really wasn't being heard as much as I wanted to. Like the things I wanted to do creative, creatively and uh, being innovative, like they were kind of shutting that down and, you know, just let me think like I have to do something now. Like, I can't keep waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, from there, and I titled my first book, uh, You Can't Afford Me, because I said that's what I walked into my boss's office one day and said, I just told him you can't afford me anymore. Um, here's my two-week resignation. Pause. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all, I just need everyone to really wrap their heads around what he just said. You can't afford me. I love that in this moment in your life, you knew what your worth was. Which is hilarious because there was nothing in the bank account. Um, <laughs> I had some 401ks that, yeah, I had some 401ks that I forgot about. Um, so luckily I reached out to my financial advisor, told him what was going on. And he was like, well, we got these over here that you can move, cash that out, give you some, give you life for a little bit. Um, Uber had just started in Richmond. So I started Ubering. I was making stupid money doing that. Um, and bubble, Richmond Bubble Soccer was the first business I started. Um, we really didn't expect it to take off the way it did. Um, when we initially sat down, me and my business partner said, this is going to be a year. We're going to make some cash and we're going to get out of this. Um, and this is our fifth year in business doing that, um, which we're just now shutting that down, not because of lack of business or anything, but um, I always told myself after I left employment that once something wasn't fun to me anymore, like I'm stepping away. Like uh, and that's kind of where it's gotten. It's just, it's not as fun for us anymore as it used to be. So, Stepping away from that, I'd start a valet laundry service called Cycle. Um, our clients just dropped laundry off outside the doorstep. We picked it up, brought it back to them in 48 hours. Um, and then Anderson Consulting initially is what Enzo Media Firm is today. Um, before when I started that, I didn't do any of this stuff. Like I didn't know the first thing about web design, about videography, photography, nothing. Um, but I knew a lot of guys who did, and none of them wanted to start up their own business. So I said, you know what? I'll bring you all the business you can handle. I'll deal with contracts. I'll deal with payment. I'll take all the headache of um, owning your own business out of it. And you guys just get to do what you love to do. But in the process, like, you know, I'm learning a lot from these guys. I'm on set, just making sure everything's going okay. And I always say I dropped out of college, but I graduated YouTube University, summa cum laude. I just went home and studied as much as I possibly could. Right. And it, and it didn't feel like a chore at all. It was just something I was extremely interested in. So we've... We had a, a buddy of mine, Zach Grossfeld, on episode um, 10 with Auxuro, 10 or 11. Um, and what he said was that he became addicted to, you know, telling the story of music artists. Absolutely. Would you say you became addicted to telling the story of other people's businesses and the storytelling aspect of, of what you're doing now? I can't get it out of my system. I'm yeah. obsessed with it. Like... There is nothing more fun to me in this world. Like, it's just something about, and you can't put your finger on it until you find out what your passion is in life. But once you do, like, I mean, it's it's no other itch for that. Like, once you find it, like, that's it. Um, now I don't know if I'll be doing creative work like this my entire life because if you asked me ten years ago, I'd had no idea that I'd be doing something like this today. Sure. Um, but for me, like, it fills that void that I've been looking for for so long. Um, just the fact that as human beings, like we all, we all operate off stories. That's how we're entertained. Like, you know, it's been that way for centuries. Um, 
and to have the capabilities we do now to be able to storytell and showcase things in a way we've never been able to see before, like just blows my mind and I'm fascinated by it. It's it's still it's still a little freaky to me. One of my best friends, um, who's known me like since freshman year of college, um, I've recently just shot a video for him and you know, he's sitting there looking at me as I'm setting up gear and I'm like, Man, what are you looking at me like that for? And he's like, dude, I'm proud of you, man. He's like, I never would have thought that you'd be doing something like this. And I'm like pitching ideas to him, like, all right, well, let's do this, let's do this. And like, I never considered myself a creative person, like, ever. Like, I can't even draw a stick figure. And I thought, like, to be creative, you had to be artistic and do this and that. Um, but it amazes me, like, somebody will sit down and tell me about their brand, and then, like, three minutes, I can come up with two or three different video ideas for them. What does that process look like in your head? Can you describe? Can you describe it, or is it innate, or almost like a, just a feel thing? Like, like walk me through what that looks like for you. So that's probably the di- most difficult part of being a boss now is, and I don't mean like a boss, like I'm a boss, like but you no, are having <laughs> having employees. <laughs> that's like, the record straight. Yeah, um, because I have a great team of individuals, and this makes up between salespeople, videographers, photographers, web designers. Um, drone operators and it's really difficult sometimes like to transfer what I want them to do the way I would do it. Now I don't want a bunch of little minions but um, you know a great deal of our clients come to us because they've seen a lot of the work that I've personally done Mm -hmm. and it's my job to get them to understand like hey I've trained my staff like if I've sent my staff member out there they're going to do just as good of a job as I will. Mm -hmm. Um, But in some cases it's become a little difficult, like trying to get them to understand, like, okay, when I describe this to you, this is what I want. And most of the time they get it right. Mm-hmm. But there are a few times where I'm like, uh, that, that's not what I was thinking. Do you start with like the end in mind in the story or do you like, how does that develop? It like, I think it's more like how a musician works. Um, now I'm not a musician in any shape or form. I'll sing in the shower in the car and that's about it. But I've seen the creative process of musicians and, you know, it just kind of comes to you. Um, like some artists have, have, you know, equated it to colors. Like they just see sound and colors. And it's nothing that you can really describe or teach somebody. It's just there. Um, and for me, like it, I mean, I initially just hear somebody's story or hear about their brand and I can initially just come up with an idea. Um, like for instance, when we shot the video for you guys, like we didn't have a game. Plan I was going in that. just about to say, yeah. you did such an amazing job capturing our vision, I would say. And we never once talked to you about what that looks like. And you just had us do our thing and you shot the most beautiful video. Yeah. And you, I think you probably had a head start knowing that, you know, you and I have kind of walked through what I was doing or yeah, 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 yeah. was over some time, but the same time like to carrie's point we like we didn't talk about anything yeah like it was like yo i'll be here i'll be there at 11 yeah we got an hour, like, and, like yeah. you showed up and and i had no idea what the space looked like right. i had no idea what the setup was i was worried about the lighting because i because we have some like really fluorescent light bulbs in the space so i didn't know how that would do with the lens and stuff and you didn't so we cut all the lights off yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah but it's just being able to walk in and that's something that's hard to teach somebody that's the hard part. So like if I sit down and I storyboard a video out for a client, I can give that to my team and they know exactly what they need to get. But getting them to understand like, so those $99 videos that we do for social media, um, 
at that price point, like I can't afford to prep for that. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally like I know the brand, I know what they do, and I'll go in and create something. Um, and it's difficult, especially for one of my videographers. Like she is paranoid of the fact that she's not well prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, as a creative, like you just have to be able to jump in there and be able to get into it. Like you can't always prep for that. How would you talk more about leading your team and delegating? Because as an artist, personally, that hands off, I mean, the whole part of, of a big part of the process is being hands on and being there in the environment and seeing something and be like, Ooh, there's this really cool light coming in through this window. I'm going to put them over here. Like yep. how, how do you deal with that letting go part and making the most still of initially it was a little scary. Now I welcome it. Um, because I mean, we've all heard the saying like work on your business and not in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, as a creative, that's somewhat of a difficult thing to do because innately that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to just go to meetings and things like that all the time. But like my, my thrill comes from the selling. Mm-hmm. Um, like the client we were talking about before we got on air, um, I've been chasing them down for six months and they never said no to me, which to me means I'm just going to keep trying yeah. Like until you tell me no, I don't back off. Um, so I get the jazz from that. And like my staff hates selling. Right. Like, I mean, I have two salespeople, like they obviously like to sell, but um, like I can't take a videographer and make them go out and sell our product. Like that's not where their strength lies. Um, so for me, I recognize the fact that to grow a business, you can't do any and everything. Um, and currently this year we're working on expansion to uh, Virginia Beach. And I've quickly realized like there's no way I can be here for all of my clients here and do X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. Like I have to be able to split my time between those two areas and it's not going to happen if I'm trying to do everything. Right. Um, the most important job for me is being out and selling and developing the brand um, because nobody else is going to do that like I will. Mm-hmm. So to get back to your question, like initially it was a little difficult just because it's scary of it's your name on it and you're kind of relinquishing it to somebody else. Um but one, when you find people that you can trust, that's been the biggest thing for me is that the team I've put together, like, I mean, I trust all these guys. Right. Like, they're phenomenal at what they do. So let me ask you about what you just said as far as your names on it. This is a party deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Absolutely. Like, like, this is your thing. It's almost your baby, right? You, you're obsessed with it. You're addicted to it. You think about it when you wake up. You think about it when you go to bed. You wake up in the middle of the night for it. Yeah, absolutely. How do you... Or is that any different than, you know, selling a product? Like Richmond Bubble Soccer was something Mm -hmm. very cool, Mm -hmm. right? Very niche. You had a lot of fun with it. But it was separate from Sam. Yep. Whereas Enzo is because it's your creativity and what's coming out of your brain. It's part of Sam. Definitely. Do you think one's easier to sell or harder to sell? Do you think that the one, because it's a part of you, you know it more, but maybe you've got more limitations behind it? You know, I mean, like kind of talk me through that. Yeah. So with bubble soccer, my initial thought was public speaking is one thing that I love the most. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very passionate about that. And I knew this was something corny and crazy enough that it would get enough people's attention Mm -hmm. that it would open up doors for that venue for me. And that's exactly what it did. Um, A lot of people learned about me through that business. They allowed me to have opportunities with my other companies through that. Um, And that I will hands down say that will be the easiest business to operate that I will ever own in my entire life. Like, I mean, you literally just show somebody a video and they're like, sign me up. Here's my money. Um, and it's not that easy generally. Right. Um, so that was more, 
you know, from a standpoint of becoming a business owner, that really set me up for success. Learning the logistics and um, starting to deal with staff members and coordinating things and um, the marketing and the branding behind everything, like, you know, that really set me up for success. With Enzo, which is more geared towards my true passion, um, I mean, I just think when you get up and you love doing what you do, like, there's nothing like it. Like, I mean, you can't help but get excited. And, you know, when you work for somebody else, like, you're sitting there looking at the clock. And, you know, most nights I'm at the office and I'm like, oh, shit, it's time to go home. Like, my wife's going to kill me. Like, she already started making dinner. Like, I got to get out of here. I never had that feeling working for somebody else. And it's not the fact of people need to get away from this idea of, like, you know, I need to be an entrepreneur. Life will be so much better. Like, that's not the case for everybody. It's finding what you love to do. Like, if you're passionate about graphic design, that doesn't mean that you need to start your own graphic design business. It means you finding the type of environment that you can do what you love to do. Right. Because not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. Even people who have great ideas, um, they may initially start a business. A lot of the ones that I've seen achieve incredible success, like, or guys who started companies and recognize that I'm not the right person to lead this organization. They're able to step down and say, let me let somebody who's more qualified take this over. So what's an example of that that you've come across in your business where you think to yourself, you know what, this isn't my best skill or this isn't worth my time because I'm not putting the love into it that I put into the sales aspect do you have some examples of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, we do photography is one of the services we provide, as well as uh, website design. I suck at that shit. Your tone when you just said that in your <laughs> eyes, you just goes, some photography and web design. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I suck at it. Like, I mean, there have been a couple instances where, like, somebody who knows me, like, and they know we offer these services, like, I'm like, my photographer's tied up, like, I can't get to this. And they're like, well, can you do it? And I'm like... I can, but I'm not the best. Like, I'd rather have somebody from my team. They're like, no, we just need something simple. Like, you come out and do it. I'm like, all right. I go out and do it. They're happy with it. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I don't necessarily see myself. I've labeled myself a videographer. I haven't labeled myself a photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're very, even though you're using the same piece of equipment, they're very two different worlds. So different. Yeah. Um, So areas like that, like, I've recognized, like, you know, I just can't do because initially when we started Anderson Consultant, I was just doing all the web design. Mm-hmm. Web design has changed completely since I was doing it. Um, but the amount of time it took me to develop a website versus how many videos I can make in that same amount of time, have way more fun and make way more money. I was like, why the hell am I doing this? Right. Um, it makes absolutely no sense. I'd be up till three o'clock in the morning, like trying to code stuff. And I'm like, Don't I have do no it. desire for this whatsoever. So that, that entrepreneurial like decision then of, of focusing on your strengths and maybe punting your weaknesses and mm-hmm. or not necessarily even punting them or just rather delegating them to something yeah. else. You know, you mentioned that not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur, right? Absolutely. And I can definitely identify with that. I, I see a lot of traits in myself that I are very good entrepreneurial traits and I see mm-hmm. a lot of traits in myself that are not. You know, I get bogged down by minutiae. Yeah, you know, like the little paperwork stuff. Like that's what killed me about financial planning is yeah, is paperwork, 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 paperwork. But it's same it's, thing in the mental health field. Yeah, paperwork was stupid, man. But you know, <laughs> making sure that that those T's are crossed and those I's are dotted when it comes to the things that I don't enjoy make it 
I think, or make my entrepreneurial journey a little bit more difficult on my end. Yep. You know, it, it's, it's more of a struggle to do the, the books and more of a struggle to do the programming. And it's more of a struggle to do those things. Whereas, you know, the way that you light up around storytelling is the way that I light up when I see a client and yeah. with somebody one-on-one. See, and the beautiful thing about that is that the shit you hate to do, mm-hmm. there are people that absolutely love it. Yeah, 100%. Like, when I hired a CPA for my company, it's like that was one of the greatest decisions I've ever made as an entrepreneur in my life because I hated doing the books and I was probably doing it wrong. Yeah. And the amount of time it would have taken me to educate myself in that realm versus paying an expert who loves to do this, like it just wasn't worth my time. Right. Um, and you find that often where, you know, it's not necessarily because there are mundane things I don't necessarily like to do. Like, you know, I got three contracts I need to write up by the end of the day. Like, I don't particularly enjoy that aspect, but that means money in the bank. So I get excited about that. Right, yeah. right. So if I don't write the contract, then I'm not getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, you know, mopping the floors in my office is way more enjoyable than if somebody was paying me to mop floors. Like, those are my floors. Right. So I have nice. more pride in mopping those floors than mm-hmm. if somebody was just paying me to mop their building. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing goes with, like, if you're renting an apartment versus owning your own home, right. like you're going to take care of things a lot better than you would if you were just renting it. Um, no one rents a car and takes it to the car wash. Like right. you're beating that thing the hell up, man. Like, <laughs> I'm whipping that, that transmission is like, yeah, like I, had, I rented a car this weekend and I was like, man, I, I pushed that thing to the limit. Cause it's actually the car that I'm looking to buy next. And I was like, man, I want to see I'm, what it can yeah, do. I want to yeah. take this thing to the limit cause I'm not going to do it on my car. Um, but I think with that, like when you're doing stuff that, even though you're not excited about it, like there's a point when everybody's starting where you have to do the stuff that you don't want to do. Right. Like you can't just afford to pay everybody to do the stuff that you don't want to do out the gate. Right. Um, plus I think that teaches you some things like I don't really like the idea of there being some service or product that we offer that I have never personally done myself because That's I need fine. to understand where my employees are coming from. Like when mm-hmm. I tell them like, Hey, this should have been to me a week ago. I don't want to come at them like a client where like client was joking today after I finished a video shoot and they were like, so this video will be get to us in a couple hours, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not, <laughs> not like a couple days from now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have to make sure that I don't have that same viewpoint when I'm dealing with my employees and the fact that I'm expecting way more of them than I should because I've actually done the work myself. I understand. Okay. I know it's going to take this amount of time. So you started bubble soccer mm-hmm. then you had the laundry company and now with what is now enzo mm-hmm. a lot of times we talk about just the in the entrepreneurial journey you start you hit a point where you have to expense and time has to give because you reach this kind of plateau yep. where you have to make a tough decision either take a financial hit to hire more people or start working even harder but for you as you were growing in, so you had the experience from the other companies. Um, but what were some of the first tough decisions that you had to make in order to grow? So did you choose the CPA first or did you choose to add, you know, photo? Yeah. For me, I think my journey is a little different because, you know, people told me when I started this entrepreneurial journey that I was stretching myself too thin. Um, I mean, my first three companies all happened within a matter of six months. Wow. Um, for me, that was the best way for me to do it. If I had just done bubble soccer, I don't think I'd be anywhere close to where I am today. Um, 
I have two other businesses now. I'm part owner in Synapse and um, also started up another group called Pantheon 8. It's basically an investment group with me and seven other guys um, going after like real estate property and things like that. But for me, I, some of this took the stress off of being an entrepreneur because I had multiple streams of income. So when Enzo wasn't doing its greatest, I had two other sources of income to fall back on. And I didn't have to drain the bank account and go bankrupt with this business because it wasn't performing the way we need to. Because initially, you know, being in the, the marketing space is very expensive. Like there's a lot of gear, there's a lot of software, like constantly having to buy. Um, seems like every single month I have to buy some new piece of equipment or get some software or CRM, like something. Um, so for me, that having those multiple streams of income helped. For part of the time, one of my streams of income was being an Uber driver. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily like all the things that I had started. Um, I think initially in terms of like the things I outsourced, um, man, you're making me think back. I was talking to somebody the other day. Like, I can't believe it's been like five years since I like started my own thing. Like it does not feel like it's been that long. Um, CPA was definitely one of the first things. Once it got to the point where I saw that I could manage all the clients myself, um, I mean, there wasn't any hesitation that I needed to hire somebody else. Um, and the way I've done all my companies is that everybody is basically an independent contractor. Like, none of them are officially employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody gets a W-9, you know, at the beginning of the year. For me, that worked well because in the busy season, I always had people that I could rely on and say, okay, I need you for this job next week. I need you for this. And I wasn't paralyzed by having to pay them a salary whether we were busy or not. Like, they only got paid when I was getting paid. Right. Um, so that model has absolutely worked for me the best. Um, but yeah, in terms of, and this is more specific to the creatives, like, you know, those who are photographers, videographers, things like that. There's always the illusion of there's a new camera that comes out like every month, like it seems. And there's always the desire to say, oh, well, my stuff will be so much better if I can get this. If I can just get that piece of equipment, like I'll be able to get that $10,000 client. We'll be able to do this and that. Mm -hmm. And you know how Facebook pops up memories and stuff like that and shows Mm -hmm. you what you're doing three years ago. Like the other day, like a video popped up from like three years ago and I'm looking at it and I thought the camera gear that I was working with was so, was so shitty back then. And I was looking at it and I was like, you know what? It really wasn't that bad. (laughs) You're like, I put this out today. Yeah, it really wasn't that bad. Um, I mean, there were a couple minor things, and I've grown as a creative and and business owner, so I know how to shoot things a little bit differently and more effectively and tell stories. But um, that's something that we all put in our head. Like, guys think they need sliders and motorized gimbals and drones and blah, blah, blah. Like, I could go out with my iPhone and crush most videographers in town today. Like, you don't need all this expensive equipment. It helps and it aids, but... You know, that's not the end all be all like for success. You don't have to go out and do all these things. So two questions. How'd you develop your confidence? And how um when did you realize or when did when did you feel like, okay, fuck. Alright, I made it. Not necessarily that you've ever made it or that you're done, but that like, alright, I am successful in what I'm doing. So I'll start with your second question. Cool. I don't feel like I've made it at all. And it's, cr- I mean, it's, it's hard to hear people say, cause when you're in it, like you're not looking at things from a bird's eye view. Um, like people are hitting me up like, man, you're blowing up and you're doing this and that. Like, man, congrats. And I'm like, 
Really? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like I've really done anything yet. Um, like, I get what they're saying, but I'm just like, because my idea of where I want to be, like, I still have a long way to go. Um, I've come a long way from filming on a $50 point and shoot camera to, you know, owning a business that, you know, can do the things we do today. But, I mean, there's never been a moment where I've kind of sat back and I'm just like, uh, man, like, I've always had that mentality. Like, there's somebody out there trying to kick my ass and, and get to the punchline before I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have time to sleep. I don't have time to relax on this. Like, uh, it was it was a holiday we had a couple weeks ago. might have been like Martin Luther King Day or something like that. My office was completely empty. Clients didn't want to book appointments or anything. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with people? Like, right. It's a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go. Like, day after Christmas, I was like, I, I don't want to sit around the house anymore. Like, I'm right. ready to get back to work. Um, so I've always had that mindset of, you know, I just have to outwork everybody else because I don't have the education. I didn't come from a background that a lot of people have or financially they had more support than I did. Like I just didn't grow up with that mentality. Um, and I think to a certain degree, like there are innate things in an entrepreneur's DNA that you're just born with. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can, I mean, you can teach someone confidence, but I mean, that's something I feel you just got. Like, have you always had that? Yeah, absolutely. Like day one, like swag coming out the way. Oh, elementary school. I, I wasn't a swaggy, but swag coming out the womb. I, I didn't have the swag then. I, I grew into the swag. Um, but you look at somebody like a LeBron James. Yeah. Um, I still think Michael Jordan's the goat, but LeBron's on his heels. Um, LeBron has natural God-given ability to do what he does. Like For there sure. was no doubt that guy was meant to play basketball. He was yep. born to do that, but. He all, there's also hard work and he cultivated that talent behind that. There's a part of him that's just born to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I can play basketball for 10 hours a day for the next three years and I will never come close to LeBron James level. Right. Like it's just not in my DNA. Like there are certain things that people are just born to do. Like, you know, I know I've heard singers that are better than Beyonce, but they'll never be at her level just because they don't have the whole package. It didn't all come together. You may have a great voice, but you may be lacking the communication skills you need for interviews and doing videos and all these other things. And you feel like you were born to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. No doubt whatsoever. Um, this is what I was born to do. And, you know, it took me, I remember, you know, in, in, elementary or middle school like the guidance council would come in and ask you like what do you want to be when you get older mm-hmm. and i don't know why this is stuck with me because it had to be like fifth or sixth grade or something like that i remember them asking me that question i didn't know what i wanted to do but i just said i want to work with computers and i want to wear a nice suit every day which for the majority of my adult life is exactly what i did right um but it's funny how, like, when you're thinking those things, even as a child, like, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking, like, hey, I want to be Superman, I want to be the president. Like, I was making that connection without understanding. Like, I was saying I want to be a businessman, even at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just kind of grows with you. I think everybody's born with something in them where they feel like, yeah, this is the direction I want to go. Like, you may not know exactly, but you have a sense of right. which way your compass is going. So Dave stole my last question. So now I'm going to say about the swag, his future question about <laughs> confidence. I was just uh, listening to you talk and I was like, Oh my gosh, she's so confident. I want to ask him about that. So now I'm going to steal Dave's next question. <laughs> what is next for Enzo? What is that big goal? Cause you mentioned a second ago, you said, I don't feel like I've made it because Absolutely I have not. such a far way to go. So what does that look like? I mean, I'm not happy until, that company is a household name. 
like until everybody is like, oh yeah, I know Enzo. And it was crazy when that first started to happen where, you know, because my online name is Mr. Preneur. I even have it on my on my license plate on my car. And the first time somebody came up to me, a stranger in public came up to me. I was out with my wife, then girlfriend at the time. And somebody was like, hey man, you're Mr. Preneur, aren't you? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> and she was completely thrown out like, what? Like, you got strangers coming up to you now? Um, she was like, swoon. Yeah, go, go buy that <laughs> yeah. yeah, she knew what was up. Yeah. Um, from there, I mean, there, there's such a void that we're looking to fill that I don't think any other companies in town are doing. Whether it's at our price point or a level of commitment to clients, the ability to tell their story. Like, I mean, there are just a lot of pieces that other companies leave out that we do. Um, you know, I initially started this company because when I went and got a quote for bubble soccer before I did anything with in this marketing space, somebody gave me a quote of fifteen thousand dollars to do a promo video for bubble soccer. And then obviously I couldn't afford that being three months in business. And then you got this guy over here that's only gonna charge you 150 bucks to make that big informational video. There was nobody in the middle that could kind of meet there. Um, so I just saw that there was a void and I was gonna fill it. Um, so for me, like, I mean, I see this company being nationwide and international at some point one day. Um, will I always be around for that? I don't know. It may come to a point where, you know, I'm not opposed to selling my brand one day mm-hmm. um, because there may be the next chapter in time for me to do something else. Like, I don't know what's ahead. And that's that's the exciting thing for me as an entrepreneur is that every single day you wake up, you have no idea what the fuck's about to happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's scary as shit at the beginning because you're like, oh, fuck, like, am I going to be able to pay this bill type thing? But never, once you get never to... never know who you're going to meet, never know what you're going to see, never know exactly. what you're going to yeah, going to lead to what. But once you get to a certain level, it's kind of like, you know, you have it on autopilot to a certain degree. And by that, I mean... You know, I'm not stressed about bills and all these other things that I had to stress about before. You know, you're still trying to reach a new altitude, but you're in a level where you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, I don't have to worry about the things I used to worry about. Um, And that allows you to focus on taking things to the next level. So, um, I mean, I want to I want to take this industry by storm. Like, there's nobody doing I want to be the rock star of marketing. Like, there's nobody that's taking that space like. You know, you look at a guy like Kevin Hart, just as an example. I use him because his social media presence is, like, nuts. But he calls himself, a.k.a. Mr. Comedic Rockstar. Like, he is a rock star of comedy. Like, he's living that lifestyle and has that persona. Um, There's nobody in the marketing space that you think of, like, man, that guy is a king of marketing. Like, he's so swagged out. He's smooth. He's he's got everything together. Like, there's nobody doing that shit. Um, So I'm going to take that crown if nobody else claims it. So I'm going to piggyback on what you just said there. Cause I don't have any swag. Right? <laughs> I got you, got, no style. you got a little swag. Hush. I got a little swag, right? Hush. And I, I got Watch these. the video that he made of you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your sneaker game, bro. That's oh, sneaker game is stupid, baby. All right, so I'm gonna tell you where this started. It started from the fact that when I was a kid, um, all of my friends. I grew up in Lynchburg. All of my friends. Well, not all my friends, but, like, there were a good amount of people, like, you know, they're showing up with the new Jordans to school every year and things like that. And I remember the first time I asked my parents for some Jordans, they are like, boy, you must be outside your mind. And back then, Jordans were way cheaper than what they are now. Um, 
like a pair of Bread Jordan ones, like back then, you could probably cop for a hundred bucks. Now they're double that retail if you can get them. Resell those things are going for five hundred bucks. Um, but I remember my friends wearing them, and I went to my parents, and they refused to. And then one one year, we ended up going to an outlet, and they got me some Jordans. And I didn't know the difference between Team Jordans and actual Jordans. Like Team Jordans are the one you got Jordans one through thirty two. Anything besides that, they have, like, these carbon copies. It's still made by Jordan brand, but, like, if you're a sneakerhead, you wouldn't be caught in, like, flight club shoes, like, that type of thing. Um, so it stemmed from my inability to get cool sneakers at, at a young age. So, so you started making money. You were like, fuck it, I'm going to buy some cool I always sneakers. told myself, like, <laughs> man, when I, when I get to a certain level and I can afford it, I'm going to get myself some Jordans. And Jordan 13s were always one of my favorites. Um, and I'll never forget, I got... I finally got a pair of Jordan 13s that ended up costing me like 220 bucks. This was like, I had been working in my career as a project manager for the last two years and I was making some good money there. But then I had just made that transition to being an entrepreneur and all of a sudden broke set in again. And I remember looking in my closet and seeing those pair of Jordans in the shoebox and like I needed rent money. Like it was tight. Um, and I remember looking at a closet and thinking, you know, to me that was a symbol of success. Like I had attained a certain level of success because I was able to afford those shoes. Um, but rent had to be paid. So I looked at that and I decided I really want to keep these shoes, but you know, I can sell these now, get myself back on track and I can buy as many Jordans as I want after that. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one of the hardest, as crazy as and stupid as it sounds, it was one of the hardest decisions for me transitioning as an entrepreneur to have to sell those shoes. Um, and actually ended up selling them for a profit than what I originally paid for them. Um, but I said after that, I was like, man, I'm going to stack up on some J's after this. Like, I got to get back into this. But to me, like, sneakers are a form of art. Mm -hmm. Like, you're literally telling a story and being able to um, express yourself through your footwear. Um, so it's just, and to me, it's also a business. Right. Because I'll look at a pair of shoes knowing that, hey, I can get these retail 110 bucks. But three months from now, I could sell these for four hundred bucks. And so, do you flip them? Oh, absolutely! I yeah. flip anything, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all want any of this stuff, I'll, I'll flip it yeah. here. But like, I mean, I haven't gotten into a lot into this, but you know, I'd go to yard sale and um, look stuff up on eBay, and like, some grandma may be selling some beanie baby that she has no idea is worth a thousand bucks, and you're looking that stuff up on your cell phone right then and there, and being able to flip it, like. So that that's wild. My sister is a is a flight attendant, and when she first got into it, she was on a on a like a, a regional airline. And mm -hmm. now she's with American, but uh, which pays a lot better than the regional airlines. Yeah. She she would get flights to like London and Paris. She's very fashion forward, right? They get some of the best sneakers too, and, and not necessarily <laughs> sneakers, but she'd go into these thrift thrift stores in Paris and pick up. Your your Versace and pick up your this and your yeah. your your. That's I was gonna see how many examples you yeah, could pull got, out. I and had you Versace, Versace and Armani, and that's about all I got. Right, and I have no idea. What Gucci after that. Gucci, <laughs> there it is. Right, but Prada. she 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 like take two bags. One of them would be empty, and yep. she'd come back Fill that up. and make fucking bang. Oh yeah, that, dude, it's crazy. People don't realize like. I, and Gary Vee said this before, like, on average, he thinks um, people have about $20,000 worth of shit just sitting in their house that you can easily flip. Like, you can make $20,000 this year if you just flip stuff in your house that you're not using. Like, there's an old TV somewhere in your house. There's, like, there's shit everywhere. Yeah. Um, and you don't realize until it's time to move out how much stuff you have. Right. But, yeah, I mean, there's opportunity in everything. And I think, to some degree, everybody in their lifetime will experience some level of entrepreneurship. 
because now it's gotten too easy. You can easily become an Uber or Lyft driver. Um, you can sell something on uh, eBay. Um, there are all these different apps that are coming Rover, up. Rover, Bambino. It's like a babysitting one and a dog yep. watching one. Yep. Like the yeah the dog service and stuff like that. Like it's getting to the point where you know people. It's not necessarily us being lazy, but we value our time more than we used to. Passions and purposes. Exactly. Like, I used to think people were boozy as shit that used to pay somebody to cut their lawn. I'm like, how lazy is your ass? You can't go out on a Saturday and cut the grass. But if I can go out and generate 200 bucks an hour, why wouldn't I pay somebody 20 bucks an hour to cut my grass? Mm -hmm. It's not something I thoroughly enjoy. It's going to take me three hours, and it's taking away from time on the weekend where I could be spending with my family or doing something else to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just makes sense, but... I think to some degree, everybody will experience some form of entrepreneurship. Like, it's just too easy, like, to be an entrepreneur. Not to say everybody needs to become a full-blown entrepreneur. Not to say everybody's going to make money doing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. You can try. But I think everybody needs to have a side hustle. Yeah. Like, there is no such thing as a secure job. Like, right. it's just not. Any given time, somebody has a decision to let you go. The company could fold. Like, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Um but if you have that side hustle going, like you always have something to fall back on. You should be building a brand if you're a full-time employee and have no ambition to start up um, your own business. Because if you get sick of that job or, you know, circumstances change, I would, as an, as an employee, I'd want people approaching me saying, hey, I know you work for this company, but we'll double your salary if you come work for us. Mm-hmm. And that all comes through building a brand, like putting content out, like making sure that your message is being heard, people will see it. Right. Just because you're not getting the likes and the comments and the views that you want, like, man, people have been stalking me for years and, like, just coming out the woodworks now saying, man, I've been following your story forever. Like, I'm ready to do business with you. I'm like, damn, bro, you ain't give me one like or comment or share or nothing, like, this whole time. Not a single share. Yeah. <laughs> but some people are just sitting back there just watching. Yeah. Like, and some of them are watching, waiting for you to fail. Yep. And some of them just watching to see, like, is he going to stick with this? Like, yeah. is this going to continue? Is this a fad for him? Um, and once they see that you're serious and you're on your game, like, you'll get business uh, just from continuing on. Like, people just, they equate that with success. Right. Like, a lot of people think I'm way more successful than I am. Like, people think I got M's in the bank. Like, eh, I ain't pulling that yet. Um, <laughs> but that that lets me know, like, I'm branding right. Like, if people sure. are looking at my brand and thinking, damn, this brother killing it. Like, he's slaying it. His bank account got to be full. Like, that means I'm doing something right. Right. Yeah. So tell me about your relationship with working out, with health and fitness. With because, so so we've got, you know, I, I think about a year ago, you started really kind of getting back into things. Yeah. You got some some 21-inch arms over here. Ooh, 21, <laughs> baby. <laughs> no, I mean. That was from a professional. You heard it. 21-inch arms. Got the, got the Jordans. Got the Jordans. <laughs> no, like, you you know, so you've, I feel like you've almost remade yourself in that, in that way. And, and what has been your relationship with working out as a busy entrepreneur? Yeah. How do you find time? What do you, what does it do for you? What is eating right? Having that good mindset? What is being consistent with your routines? Like, what does that do for you? What's that journey been like? The biggest thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs get wrong is that they're trying to find time to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not a choice I have. Like I have to do it. Like I can't run at this pace and not be considering my health. So for me, if I don't get to the gym first thing in the morning, it's not happening. Like there's always something else that's going to pop up. Um, and I tried to do that for the longest time. I'm like, I'm going to go after work and blah, blah, blah. It never works out. Like you end up going, if you're trying to get to the gym six days a week, you're end up going too. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, and there are a lot of studies that show that, you know, 
just working out in the morning wakes you up. Like, I'm going to be way more alert and I'm going to be way more creative if I start my morning out that way. But for me, it was just a conscious decision saying, I don't have time any other time, any other part of the day. Like, this is where I have to get it in. Um, in my idea of success, when I, when I look at some of these guys are on Forbes and people that I personally know that have achieved some level of success, quote unquote, um, a lot of these guys are out of shape. Like they look terrible. They're overweight, and I'm like, that's, can't enjoy it. Yeah, right? I'm like, that's not the level of success I want. Like, right. you know, you may have seven figures in the bank, but if your gut's sticking down by your kneecaps and you can barely walk, like, I mean, what's your quality of life like right. years from now? Um, the eating healthy part, I still don't know if I've nailed that. <laughs> that that's probably the most difficult thing in terms of the health journey is because is that a time thing is that a commitment thing is that a fuck it I just don't want to deal with it thing like what is that it's more of a time thing it's I'm not a cook I hate to cook and I know like eating healthy like can be stupid simple like just get some microwave broccoli you throw it in the microwave heat up some yams you throw some chicken in the oven like salmon and chicken are my favorite um there's some weeks like I'm on it and I'm like meal prepping and I'm doing all that stuff and there's some weeks I'm just like shit it's three o'clock I haven't eaten it all today Damn it, there's an Arby's Chipotle right there. Time. I gotta eat something. Yeah, <laughs> right. I gotta eat something. Um, and that's the part that's killed me. But, you know, when I think I've been at my peak of everything, I think life just kind of bleeds itself over into different areas. Like, whether it's with your relationships, your business, your health, all these different things. We want to compartmentalize it. It's not the yeah, it all flows together. Um, and if I'm completely neglecting one area of my life, like, the others are going to suffer. Like, if I completely ignore my wife and... Um, don't pay attention to that part of my life and that relationship. Like that's ultimately going to affect my business. That's going to affect my health. I'm going to be stressed the hell out. Um, you have to find that balance between all of those things. And for me, working out is the easier part. Right. Like yeah, I can get up and do anything. Um, and half the battle is just getting through the front door. Like if you get in there, I'm going to be like, well, I'm not going to go back home. Like <laughs> especially these cold mornings in Richmond, it's like 15 degrees outside. Like if I got my ass up for that, like I'm, I'm going to make sure I get a good workout. Um, but, yeah, like, that's still probably the biggest area that I struggle with. Um, I can keep some level of consistency with the workouts, but um, the eating healthy. I have found some entrepreneurs that have some great businesses in terms of meal prep and stuff like that. There's one guy. I got him on my phone list to call, and he called him. Like, he makes some amazing meals and delivers them to your office and all that kind of stuff. But. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's something I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll chat off air. We got, <laughs> we got you. We know we know some people. Yeah. But I will say this: like my bet, like my peak, where I felt like I was most physically fit. Um, my entire life, I'd been a distance runner, mm-hmm. so like running was always my big thing. And for me, as an entrepreneur too, that was my time to kind of process things. Um, it allowed me to think going out on a five six mile run, like you just get to relax and. You know, I put my phone on airplane mode. I know you're not supposed to run with music and stuff like that, but, like, I need a beat to run to. Um, But you just kind of lose track of where you are and, you know, your mind's able to relax for a little bit. And for me, working out, like, that's the only time I'm truly unplugged. Right. Um, Like, I'm not thinking about, you know, I got to write this contract up or I got to call this client. Like, this is my time. Yeah. Just, like. Some people may go out and get a massage, and that's their me time. Like, working out every day is my me time. Like, it's the only time I know I'm not going to answer any phone calls. Like, you can't bug me. Like, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, and you got to take care of you so you can take care of everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I got one more question for you, man. Um, better make it good. Better make it good. <laughs> How do you, Sam Anderson, define impact? Impact. Um, 
I mean, I think I'd ultimately intertwine that with another word of legacy. Um, to me, it's all about leaving things better than when you were wrapped. So whether that's, you know, within your lifetime, whether it's in the city that you're living in, the workplace that you're currently at, like I always want to leave every situation better than the way it was when I arrived. Um, and I've told my employees, like the second they start working for me, like the first thing I tell them is that, you know, I don't expect you to be here for the next 20 years. Um, but my hope is that you're able to take something that I've taught you here and take yourself to the next level. I was like, if some band calls you three months from now and like, hey, we've seen your work. We want you to tour with us. We'll pay you $150,000 a year. Like, I will be your biggest cheerleader and tell you you can't pass up an opportunity like that. I'd hate to see you go, but, you know, that's something I'm not able to offer you at this time. Like, you got to take it and follow your dream. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, leaving people, I ultimately want to leave an impact on people, helping them realize that there's more that they can do. And it's not like from a motivational standpoint or anything like that. It's just that um, if a dumbass like me can put together what I've put together and make some sense out of it, um, it really isn't that hard. It's just finding your passion. Like once you found what you love to do, like all the other stuff is easy to figure out. Um, and I can say it's easy now because I've went through the shit, but you know, at the time it didn't seem so easy, but you look back on it and you're like, man, that really wasn't as bad as, you know, how I built it up to be in my head. Like, um, you know, it's not something that's going to kill you. Like it's ultimately something you can get through. Um, so yeah, that's it for me. Hope that answered your question. Love it. <laughs> Crush it. Sam. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, (laughs) You are welcome. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) We'll see you all soon. Ground on.